2: It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner. Of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit theringer.com backslash
1: RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes
0: Hello, happy holidays, and welcome to this super special edition of the Ringer NBA show. I'm your host for the day, Ringer senior staff writer, Michael the Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, CBS Sports' very own James Herbert. James, is it too soon to say happy new year? Personally, I think it's fair from the 26th to the 31st. What's your, what's your call on that? 26 seems a little early to me, but we're the 29th. Now it's fair, I think. So it's okay right now. I can say Happy New Year to you.
3: Yeah. I've, if you were still saying Merry Christmas on the 26th, I think I'd be <laughs> kind of more okay with that than Happy New Year. If that, That's I'm, fair. That might be weird, but.
0: Yes. So I'll say Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to our listeners. There's so much going on in the NBA right now. We have the unbeatable Brooklyn Nets, a sizzling MVP race, absurd comebacks galore. But on today's episode, I thought it would be fun for you and I to make a few predictions about the new year. We'll gaze into an imaginary crystal ball and tell our wonderful listeners what's going to happen around the NBA in 2023. Each of us has five interesting, quote unquote, uh, predictions to share. Uh, So we'll just tell each other what they are and follow this conversation wherever it leads us. Does that sound good to you, James? That sounds awesome. Amazing. I like the quote, the like,
3: you know, interesting. (laughs) Maybe it'll be interesting. I I hope so.
0: Well, when I I, just behind the scenes, I I texted you that I wanted interesting predictions out of you and you gave me a hard time. So that's why I'm putting (laughs) it in quotes to be All clear. Right.
3: Well, you can let me you can like rate how interesting my predictions are after each one.
0: Okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I mean, it's your show, go ahead. Beautiful. So, my first one, I I I don't know if this is interesting. I think people have talked about it for the past, past few weeks. Um I'm not 100% certain that it'll happen. I think it should happen, but it's the Minnesota Timberwolves will trade Carl Anthony Towns. I think you knew where I was going with that one when I said Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Carl is currently out with a calf strain that he suffered almost exactly one month ago. He can't be traded until the offseason. Since he's been gone, shout out to Kelly Clarkson, um, the Timberwolves rank 15th in offensive rating, 15th in defensive rating, 16th in net rating. Before he was injured, they were 17th offense, 15th defense, 18th net rating. The point is, like when you make this big trade that they did for Rudy Gobert— they should be better. And we're now past Christmas. And I just think this isn't necessarily an indictment on Carl Towns. It's more an indictment on the Rudy Gobert trade, which is just, it's decimated the Timberwolves in a lot of ways. It's decimated their future. They need to recoup some draft equity here. They need to get players that better complement Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. I think that's the duo you need to Build, it's so sad to even say that out loud. That's the duo you need to build around right now if you're the Timberwolves. What do you think about this? I have a few fake trades or potential trade partners, but what are your, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: I think they have to do something if they can't salvage this season with a different trade around the deadline. Because I, I think we saw enough of a sample early on to be like, this is not just normal like hiccups and growing pains at the beginning of the year. Like I, I think if the Towns Go Bear pairing is going to work, then the cast around them needs like need to have pretty specific guys there. I think they needed more spacing around those two. I think you know they have some defensive versatility um but I think you still want more of that. Uh, I don't know if the perfect trade is going to be out there before this year's deadline. So I think you know it it is surely within the realm of possibility that they'll be looking t- into something like this in in the summer. The, the tough thing is I think the trade almost has to be one of those challenge trades that you almost never see because the last thing they should be trying to do um if you're keeping Rudy gobert and trying to build around this this different duo um is trading cat for like you know a you know trading a, a dollar for a bunch of quarters or mm-hmm. um even I think it would be sort of a rough look if they were trading him for, like, a huge draft pick haul and young players and kind of trying to do it that way because, like, you have Gobert. Like, your timeline is is now. Um, you've already sort of said that. Should they have done that? Should their timeline be now? I mean, they, were, they didn't have to. Anthony Edwards is super young. Cat is still pretty young um, considering how long he's been around. Like, they had a, a lot of runway. Um, I just, I, I think the sort of I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what fake trades you have because to me, like what you are looking for is to sort of trade like for like, like trade a superstar for another superstar. Or like if you don't consider Kat a superstar, at least an all star for another all star or something like that to make these pieces kind of work better. But I, I think if you punt on the guy who is supposed to be your franchise player um, because your big all in move didn't work out, it's just kind of a bummer.
0: It is a bummer. Uh, the challenge trade, I think that you might be thinking of when you said that phrase is cat for Trey Young. That's at least the most popular one that's been going around the past couple of weeks. I am personally, I mean, you know, my thoughts about Trey Young. I'm, uh, I think it's still a little too soon to pull the plug on that. If you're the Atlanta Hawks, I'm still. The last person who thinks he's really good, I guess. Um, and <laughs> He's obviously a- really good. <laughs> I think
3: the, the the problems people have with Trey Young are not like, he's not really good. It's obvious. It's just, you know, the, there's been specific improvements people have wanted to see for a long time. And I think yes. there's some pessimism about those ever happening. I'm,
0: I still want to be patient with him. Um, right. So I, I probably would not do that one. Also, you're getting a guy who's not significantly older, but what, four or five years older, I want to say, than, than Trey, if you if you go for Cat, which is, uh, I don't think that's necessarily what you want, um, if, you're the, if you're the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the other, I mean, the, the most popular team that would be interested is the New York Knicks, the team that has all these picks, has some young talent, has salary, and has the CAA connection that everyone loves to to talk about when we talk about players who are rep by CAA and the Knicks being interested in them. So that's the team I guess and I don't we don't need to go too deep into that one cuz it's kind of been well-trod territory, but I guess that would be fine. I I don't even know honestly. Like if you're if you're <laughs> the, if you're the Timberwolves, I'm not excited uh, by no getting RJ Barrett and like who else would even be in that deal. That's attractive. Like Obi Toppin, um, Grimes, Grimes is cool. Yeah. I would be, and he would compliment um, Edwards and Gobert really well. I, I'm really high on him and he's played really well before he got hurt recently. But uh, yeah, I'm just not that pumped getting all the Knicks picks would be cool. And then I could, if I was Tim Connolly, I could flip those for other things and those would be attractive trade assets, I think. But I don't. know. I can't get like super excited about the Knicks. Um, can I tell you? So you're you're a Raptors person. For those who don't know you, what do you think a Siakam for Cat challenge trade would be? Anything that either team would be interested in, or no?
3: I mm, it's. I don't think the Raptors would be interested in it. I don't think he fits the way that they want to play particularly. I think Siakam has improved so much that it's not... like. I mean, I think if you had asked this question a year ago, people would have said that's a clear talent upgrade. I'm not sure that's true anymore. And The the difference between the two on defense is astronomical.
0: Uh, Nick Nurse would have to make (laughs) some concessions about how he approaches the defensive side of the ball if Carl Anthony Towns was on his team.
3: Yeah, I mean... I don't know. If I'm a raptorsologist or whatever, I don't know that I would prescribe that particular trade. That 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 I I would I don't love it.
0: We talked about this one offline a little bit, but if the Rockets sign James Harden, the next move is to get another star. Mm-hmm. And if you had Harden, Cat, and I honestly don't know who would be left over in this scenario, who would be going to the Timberwolves in this deal, but that would be a scorched earth blockbuster. Um, not going to rule that out 100%, just something to think about for now. Uh, and I don't know how far that team goes or what their ceiling is. I, it's just, But that's another one that's just kind of percolating on my brain.
3: There would be some symmetry there in, you know, once upon a time, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded Kevin Love to the Cleveland Cavaliers to team up with LeBron James, who decided to go home and bring a veteran (laughs) all-star buddy with him. Um, It would be, I mean, it would be hilarious. It would be super weird. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around right now. But I do think like, yeah, like if Harden, if we live in a world where Harden actually goes back to Houston- I don't think it's just to play with the kids. I think it's I'll play with a couple of them. And then, you know, you'll leave Wiggins out of your Sports Illustrated first person article because he's gone. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who the Wiggins is in this scenario, but I mean, Kat would uh, kind of make sense. I mean, they'd score like a zillion points a game. I don't know about the other end of the floor. Um especially when you look at like if if the roster is going to resemble the one it has now in any way i I would be worried there, but I mean it'd be kind of fun it'd be it'd be super weird though.
0: <laughs> can I tell you my favorite fake trade than the one that I think is i don't know if i don't know how conceivable this one is, but I think both sides would be pretty happy with it it's the phoenix suns this is basically new owner syndrome where I got, a, I just bought a team and I have to make a splash blockbuster transaction. So the Phoenix Suns who own all their picks have no outgoing picks, no incoming picks. They ship all of their picks, all of the pick swaps. Uh, Mikhail Bridges and Landry Shamit for Carl Anthony Towns. What do you think <laughs> about that one?
3: What, what if it were Aiton instead of Bridges? And they don't maybe because Aiton's I don't even know at this point if Aiton is seen as having way higher value than Bridges, maybe not. Um, but it's it's a little cleaner if you if you just kind of swap bigs, right? For Phoenix it is. I don't know if that's clean for the Timberwolves. No. I guess yeah, I guess they wouldn't really be interested in that. Yeah, I mean, geez, like I mean Bridges is like the prototype of the kind of guy you would want to add to this Wolves team, especially if you believe that there's still some kind of runway there for, for improvement in terms of, you know, getting that, like, you know, you see the little like Middleton esque leaning mid range jumpers that he'll pull out of his bag. You see the occasional like scoring explosion from bridges. I I think he was labeled a three and D guy early on his career. That label is sort of stuck. The usage rate indicates that that's not entirely unfair, but I, I again, I just go back to like, I don't if I'm the wolves, I don't want to trade cat for like just strictly role players. But if, if you believe there's some there's still some kind of fringe star potential from bridges, if you are OK, even if you don't, if you think this is sort of a two part trade where you get all of these picks and then you later move them to sort of complete this deal and upgrade your team, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it, would make, it would make some sense from their perspective. Um, it, it makes sense from Phoenix's perspective in terms of the fact they don't care about the draft whatsoever. Correct. So uh, this would fit with their ethos. Um, I think the kind of the cat Booker prophecy when years ago they were supposed to team up and he's now teamed up with D'Lo, who was the other third of that triumvirate, and. I guess they, they never said they would all necessarily be on the same team at the same time. Like he would, (laughs) he would, he would get to play with his other buddy. Like I, I see the appeal. I think the fit there would be kind of strange as well. Um, but I mean, that is clearly, uh, if, Phoenix thinks it needs to inject some more talent into their equation, like that is a way to do it. And honestly, maybe, maybe the cat Aiden thing would work a little bit better than the cat go bear thing i mean ayton is still not like a stretch big and he's not like he's not bam out of bio defensively but um he can switch a little bit he can shoot enough that it's a definitely different mix um than than the one that minnesota had going on at the beginning of this season and then you know the role player like it's it's a different kind of supporting cast too i think it could maybe make sense. It's just it. It's hard for me to to see all those pieces fitting when you're losing bridges in the deal because he's the kind of guy that can make the like cat and another big thing work properly.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're banking on Cam Johnson. Um, just you're, re- you're going to resign him and you're going to plug him into the starting lineup in that same role, and you hope that he can handle additional responsibilities and i think for ayton you would test it out see if that duo work together and i'd be a little bit bullish because i think there's a little more offensive versatility with ayton as opposed to gobert but if it doesn't work out it's not like ayton has way more trade value i think at this point than gobert would for min in Minnesota situation like they could get off of um at some point on the fun max and uh, get i think impact players right away plus maybe some draft equity so mm-hmm. could be just an interesting way for them to kind of bridge this chris paul era into something else uh mm-hmm. but yeah that would be a fun one um it's kind of a get, perfect hypothetical trade because it's like two teams that i think a lot of people are just kind of
3: like something's got to change like i just want to see something different and even if you're looking like I think you can look at both sides and you can nitpick the like hypothetical fit, but you're still just like, I want to see it. I, I, would like, I would like to watch that more than I would like to watch what they currently have going on.
2: This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like Hickory Barbecue and Cheesy Baja, crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included, limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins.
0: Yes, so the first prediction was perfect. James, you have a lot to live up to with your first one now.
3: Ha! I... (laughs) I kind of wish we had done this a couple of weeks ago so it wouldn't seem like I am just sort of piggybacking off of like some recent stuff that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to go with it anyway. I think another Bucks existential crisis is coming. I don't know exactly when it will happen. Um, Maybe it is after a disappointing loss in the playoffs. Maybe it is... um, after trade deadline, if they don't do anything or what they do is confusing to people. Um, maybe it is deeper into the offseason when people are looking at what they have coming back next year and they're wondering what's going on. But I do think, you know, that there has been kind of a grace period for the Bucks and their half-court offense in particular and their flaws in particular, because they won a championship and then they got farther than I think people thought they would without Middleton last season in the playoffs but I think we're starting to get to a point now where like you can see um people are starting to kind of start questioning what is going on in Milwaukee people are starting to kind of wonder like does Middleton actually fix everything if he is able to come back and like play and be healthy for an extended stretch like what exactly is is the plan there it, was it smart to just bring the band back and add Joe Ingalls should they should they have tried to get a little more athletic should they have tried to get a little younger um I think Chris Middleton is one of the more interesting free like upcoming free agents on the market they, they could have negotiated an extension that that didn't happen uh, Brooke Lopez is is getting up there in age drew Holiday is getting up there in age. And I, I think that grace period, that sort of like, oh, yeah, the Bucs are this elite team. They're going to be there at the end, um, blah, blah, blah. I, I think people's patience is already starting to kind of um, lessen a, a little bit. But I think what we are headed for, um, particularly if they lose in ugly fashion, in the playoffs is something similar to what we saw when they had ugly losses in, in playoffs in years past, where all of a sudden it's it's this kind of, all right, like, what are who what are they going to put around Giannis? Is Bud the right guy for this team? Blah, 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 blah. And it'll be kind of old and it'll feel kind of recycled, but I think that's that's where we're headed.
0: So I love this prediction. You know me. mm mm-hmm. My next prediction was actually uh the Nets will beat the Bucks in round two. So we're Let's right. Let's go with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're right. We're right on the same wavelength right now. Um I could just see just I agree with everything that you're saying with the looming existential crisis, except they have Giannis locked up on his contract. So it's a little less anxiety inducing if you are with that organization than it was pre, I guess, the, or right when you made the Drew Holiday trade, which was like the peak of their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Like Chris Middleton, who has proven to be, I guess, just invaluable and you know, nothing against Chris Middleton. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's like a borderline all-star. Like I I feel like he shouldn't be this um critical to a title contender, but that's just kind of how they're built. And um uh, their best player, who's one of the best players in the world, has flaws in his game that really require someone like Chris Middleton to to fill that void when they're on the floor together. So I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Middleton in free agency. Brooke Lopez has been also integral to how they want to play and their identity this season is wrapped around his drop coverage, um, yep. and his rim protection. And he's also a free agent. And, you know, there's teams with cap space out there that are going to look at his season that Brooke Lopez just had and they're going to want him. I feel like he's yes. got skills that are pretty rare and that he can protect the rim at a defensive player of the year level and shoot threes. Um, so. Yeah, it's – I can just foresee – I was re-watching um, the Nets beat the Bucks a couple days before Christmas, before we started recording this. And I can just foresee, like, exactly what happened in that round two in 2021, where this this Nets team is just, like – I mean, it's one of the best shooting teams that's basically in the league and maybe the league has ever seen. Yeah. And I can just see them just pull-up jumper after pull-up jumper over drop coverage. And just Bud is just too late to make the adjustments. And he's not going to take Brook Lopez off the floor when he needs to. And their offense is just in mud. And I feel like that could be a five-game series, honestly. I, like, I don't think these two teams are very close right now. And you look at the Nets and how well they've played since... Jacques Vaughn's been hired. That's just like a convenient marker. November 1st. It's like their offensive rating with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton is 118.8, which is better than the Boston Celtics, who have the best (laughs) offense in the league since then. Just like, And that's 191 minutes. It's not zero minutes. So I just feel like the Nets are cooking. And if these two teams, if the season ended today, these two teams would be um, in line to match up in the second round. And if that were to happen, I just feel like the Nets are on a different level right now.
3: I remember watching the, the first meeting those two teams had in Milwaukee, um, where the Nets kind of dominated the first half. Giannis didn't do that much. Um, it looked and I remember just thinking, like, this is a horrible matchup for Milwaukee. Now in the second half, Giannis just came out and scored like a zillion points and the, the Bucs ended up winning that game. I think Nash was still the coach at that point. It was like pretty early on in the season, mm-hmm. the Nets were not anywhere near whole at that point. Like they are a flat out different team now, uh healthier team, still not fully healthy, um, but almost there. And I mean, honestly, like I, I, I'm thinking about that game. I'm thinking the recent one, I think back to like that playoff series that, that they had a couple of years ago, like Bobby Portis got played off the floor pretty quickly. Um, A lot had to go wrong for the Nets to be in that situation where they lost a, a series that was as close as it can possibly get. And also part of the, like Kevin Durant had, some of the best performances I've ever seen in my life in that series, probably the best performance I've ever witnessed in person. And I believe game five of that series, but his life was really hard and he was kind of exhausted by the end of it. And a big part of that was that PJ Tucker was grabbing him, holding him, pushing him, just chasing him around the entire game and the Bucks let him go. And now they you have watch no games one like him and they have and, and no drew one like holiday him. is guarding him. And I, I've seen drew holiday guard, Kevin Durant in a playoff series. He's, as incredible as somebody his size can be in that matchup, but KD can still just shoot over him. Mm -hmm. And I am not comfortable with the options that the Bucks have to guard him. I don't, I think the drop coverage um, worked sort of okay over the course of that series a couple of years ago because two of the net stars were not there or in the case of Harden was like kind of there, but was on one leg. Um, And the idea was they're going to dare Kevin Durant to beat them. And he almost freaking did, but that's not how it would have to be this time. Like if they're somewhat healthy, then there are a lot more weapons. Um, There's stuff you can run for other guys. It's it's not just like when the bucks are selling out um, to protect the rim, it's not just the drop it like off ball stuff has killed them in playoff series. Like I think back to how the heat beat them um, and running their shooters off of screens on the perimeter. And like, if the nets um, are doing that for Joe Harris if like if I don't know if Seth Curry is going to be traded before the deadline or not but if he's still there like he could be a factor and they just have so much shooting and scoring up and down the roster now that the spacing is so much better and even when it's not even in those minutes with Claxton and Simmons that you're talking about like it doesn't matter because their their stars are hitting those mid-range shots and even their supporting players are like TJ Warren has like vastly exceeded any expectations i had for him after missing so much time um and i just i just think it's a really deep team i i i feel like we're hating on the bucks a little i don't want to dismiss them completely they are still an excellent team dismiss away I, I have felt better <laughs> about <laughs> um brooklyn um i think even dating back to like when it seemed like the whole thing might fall apart i still thought the ceiling was like really 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 high like you and i talked about that a lot, and I, I, I think we are starting to see what it looks like. Like offensively, the the promise of this team was that it could be just as potent as it was when Harden and Irving and Durant were there. And then the the idea was they can be like better than that defensively, and they have been. I mean, Claxton, Durant, and Simmons are all playing at such a ridiculously high level defensively um, that this this team is like has just shot up the the rankings on that end of the court, and it, it makes them look like a viable championship contender. And I mean, to me, like they are like at the second best team in the East right now over over the Bucks. Um, who's the best? Maybe team, that changes.
0: Do you think? Who's who's the best I, team in the East?
3: Uh, I I think you know who they are. It's it's, <laughs> it's your buddies, the the Boston Celtics. I, I would say still are the best, but um, but yeah. I mean, I I came close to making the same. I think the prediction I had scratched out in favor of just a buck centric one was I was going to say like it will be, uh, Celtics Nets in the conference finals, and then I was like, wait, this isn't even like an interesting prediction anymore because they're at the top of the 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 standings at this point. But um, but yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the. What's really interesting about the Nets? I know this was kind of more a, a Bucks centered prediction, but the Nets are more fun to talk about. What's really interesting about them is, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Like they have size, two way wings who can also space the floor now, and they don't think they've had that for quite some time. Even when Joe Harris isn't out there, I mean, you know, anabe has given them fantastic minutes. He's hit yeah. basically like sixty percent of his threes. TJ Warren has been terrific. Um, having Royce O'Neal out there is, I mean, he just like plays so many minutes for them. He's, he's so critical. Um, And yeah, I just like the fact that they can be relatively big, like they don't need to play Seth Curry. They don't need to play Patty Mills um, and still be effective on both sides of the ball and still have spacing and still have defensive versatility. And I feel like Nick Claxton is just like people should be talking about him way more. He's, he's insane. He's very very good and it's he leads the league in field goal percentage, but it's not all lob dunks like if you actually watch him play, he like finishes through contact. He's like got really nice touch around the basket. He's got this little hook shot. Like he's just really really good and kind of the the linchpin of their switch everything defense when they want to switch everything. So I just think that it'll be a really fun um it'd be really fun to see how the Bucks could try to solve a lot of the problems that um, the Nets give. And I don't know if they could. And I just also, before we move on from this and you give me your next prediction, I just think Kevin Durant would be the best player in that series too. And that's not nothing. I mean, Kevin
3: Durant might be the best player in the NBA right now. So I don't, that, <laughs> that is perfectly possible. Um, all right, my next prediction this this is for you, Pina. This is like Thanks. specifically engineered for this podcast. sweet. I think Alex Caruso will be this year's <laughs> Derek White. <laughs> I, I think it is pretty likely he'll be traded before the deadline. And I think whoever gets him, I like it obviously it has to be a win-now team. It has to be a contender, and you put him into like any contender's rotation. And immediately, I think it just elevates them. To another level, so i me personally a team. Give me a team.
0: I want a team. I want a team that is gonna get Alex Caruso, gonna pry him away from the Chicago Bulls.
3: Hmm. Um. I mean, uh, my my instant goes like my head goes to to the Warriors, but I don't know if that's just because of that Steve Kerr conversation with Caruso after the game. I, I think like literally any team would work. Um. Maybe I mean we we're just talking about the Nets. I think they could use somebody like him, another um, perimeter player who like defensively is an absolute menace. Um, I I think there's, I I don't know. Do you have a favorite destination for him?
0: I don't know. It's really funny. Like I'm looking just at the standings and every team. It's like, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Just throw them on any team. And it's just like, Oh, they're better. Um, I think it would be really fun to see him on – I mean, Denver obviously would just be – but he kind of is a duplicate of what Bruce Brown gives. But I just – like he would just be a natural fit and someone who can improve a defense that has been ticking in the right direction but could always use – better personnel around Nikola Jokic. So that's one that's really interesting to me. I think he fits the identity of the Memphis Grizzlies, like to a T. Oh my goodness. He'd be perfect there. That would be a lot of fun. Um, him, Ja and Desmond Bain, like that three guard lineup would be just hellacious in a lot of different ways. Just that would be great. The team that, um, I want to throw out there that I don't think is a contender, but I think could really use Alex Caruso and would potentially overpay and do something dumb is the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Um, mm. I don't, I feel like if you just had him on the floor um with Luca, like I don't, I just feel like there could be a lot of small, small pick and roll stuff and, He can dive and make plays out of the short roll. He needs to shoot a little bit more. And I think he would in a scenario where he's not sharing the floor with Damar and Zach Levine and and Vucevic. But that like if you're Dallas and you make like a I don't know if it's a panic to trade for Alex Caruso, depending on what you give up, but that could be like an interesting fit, I feel like.
3: I think the offensively how that works is really interesting to me because I think If you are of the mind that, okay, the most important thing for any supporting cast member on that team is you can hit spot up threes. And Caruso not only is not a marksman, he's a reluctant shooter there, especially this year. He'll turn down open looks. That's not that's not in theory what you want. Um, So you could say he's a bad fit offensively. They should not do it, even though he's so good on defense. But I think the other way to look at it is if you think that what the Mavs need is just a little more. Kind of juice in in their offense, a little more off-ball stuff happening, a little more side-to-side stuff going on, a little bit less predictability, and a little bit less just everything is is Luca creating on his own. Um, if you look at how they they've struggled sometimes when the jump shots have not been falling for their role players, which has been far too often from them this year, and you think they need somebody who maybe it's not about just the spot-up shooting. It's someone that can actually nudge them a different direction Then, like, Crusoe's your guy. He's such a smart player. He can play off of superstars. He's made his, like, name doing that in, in the NBA. And I, I think, actually, it, it, it's not the most conventional um, sort of complementary player for Luca. but I, I do think he could work pretty well, provided that they play a little bit differently. I think his presence would almost force them to.
0: So my next prediction is I don't really have a lot of commentary to attach to it. I just want to throw it out there and get mm-hmm. your reaction. I think either the Jazz or the Pelicans will win the lottery and get Victor Wimbanyama with picks <laughs> that didn't belong to them, that don't belong to them, from the Lakers and the Timberwolves. I really think that's going to happen.
3: I mean, the NBA is a chaotic place, and this would be <laughs> an a just just peak chaos situation, Especially if it's the Pelicans. I mean, that's they are kind of, I mean, they're not exactly a juggernaut right now, but they're really, really good and they have the potential to just do nothing and evolve into a juggernaut as their um, young guys get better and more consistent. And even Zion rounds out his game, which is hilarious because he's playing at an MVP caliber level right now. Did you watch Um, that
0: game last night against the Timberwolves?
3: I have not watched it. It
0: was like 15 for 18. Yeah. In the restricted area, like, the right-handed dunk on Rudy where Rudy pulled back and was like, I don't want to pick up a foul even though I played 28 minutes tonight and fouled <laughs> out anyway. Like, it, it's just, Zion is, he takes off from, like, beyond the dotted line through two people every single play. And it's like, I don't know what we do here with this person. He's like a flying brick wall. Like, what? what Nothing. It's just you can't do anything. And he has like crazy touch. Like he's one of the like best layup. Like he looks like Tony Parker sometimes, except like when he can't dunk it. It's just he's I, I don't even know what, what to do with him. So yeah, that would be totally unfair if they got Victor Winyama. <laughs> just like I don't even just cancel the NBA for the next five years.
3: Yeah. I mean, I I would love it and also just kind of feel bad for everybody else because it's not just fight. I mean, think about how long those two guys could be teammates. Like, it, it's insane. They are basically, like, just their proportions as human beings. It's like the complete opposite deal. It would be very funny to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, they would do things on a basketball court together that I, I can't even imagine. Um, so, yeah, I mean... I I would love it. I would feel very worried for everybody else in the NBA. Um the Jazz, I think that would just be like karmically hilarious. Um just mm-hmm. because of like what what they have done um since last offseason. Um uh, I could totally like imagine that happening and everybody being really mad at, at Danny Ainge. Um but <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that their future already, like to me, it, it's almost like whatever they do. And this is sort of like when you wrote about the Jazz this year, this was sort of like the point, right? Is like they have lots of paths. None mm. of them are bad. Yeah. <laughs> like they, there's just so much upside for that organization over the next however many years because of the way that they've set themselves up. And I, yeah, I mean, if they were to get any degree of lottery luck, it doesn't even need to be they get Wemby, but just some luck in that scenario. I, they're They're just sitting pretty.
0: They're going to get luck because the Lakers are terrible. Um, yesterday when the Devin Booker news, he's out a month with a groin injury, hamstring. I can't remember. Um, when that news came out, I tweeted semi facetiously that the, there were three teams that should call about Chris Paul, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans. And Pelicans fans were very upset huh. with, with me for even suggesting this, but I feel trade like trade
3: one NBPA president for the last one? Would that, well, would that be the no, deal? No.
0: I don't even think CJ would have to be a part of it. I think you could do Jackson, um, Devante, and uh your guy Garrett Temple, and then the pick compensation would be negotiated, and that's where any hypothetical deal dies, probably. But they're better with Chris Paul, like to be clear. You do you agree with that? Or were you like, I don't wouldn't touch I know you're a big Jose Alvarado person, but I feel like they could use more like floor generalship, particularly to navigate (laughs) through. I just made up a word, particularly to navigate through four playoff (laughs) rounds, which is what they aspire to do this year. Like, am I crazy? Like, Chris Paul. No, you're not crazy. What are we talking about?
3: I mean, it'd be an awesome story. I'm just, I am here for the idea of Chris Paul and Jose Alvarado's relationship just turning (laughs) another direction. Like, Alvarado, like, he called Chris Paul his favorite player when he was coming into the NBA. Like, that was a guy he looked up to. And then, you know, you know what happens. Like, they have that that playoff series. He, like, first, Chris Paul sees the GTA coming and tells him to, like, get his ass back and all of that. he act- Then Alvarado gets him. They get Chippy. There's all that thing. And, like, Chris Paul doesn't want to say his name in a press conference. And this year, like, Alvarado doesn't even want to say Chris Paul's name. And, like, apparently they hate each other now. I just think, like, this, it, it's, like, really fast to get to a, like, Beverly Westbrook, like, reunion we are like best friends now yeah but but i think it would it would happen like like immediately and i they're they're both extremely competitive they're both extremely annoying in the best way i i would personally love that um i am a little less optimistic about how the fit goes if cj is still on the roster um but i mean the talent upgrade of the deal that that you just described where they're essentially trading picks and um jackson hayes because i don't think you know like Devonte Graham and Garrett Temple um, in a playoff rotation. I I just don't know if they're if they're even seeing the floor. So like from that perspective, like yeah, you go all in, you try to win right now. You, you that guy helps you do that, mm-hmm. um, but it's just I think it's already so tricky for Willie Green to navigate like what the lineups are, and a lot of the lineups this year have just been detect uh, dictated by who's healthy. Healthy, yeah. Um, but I think, like, if you are reasonably healthy in a playoff series and you need to play Chris Paul a lot of minutes, you need to play CJ a lot of minutes, like, it's just... I don't know that, you know... I don't know that the rest of the roster is, like, equipped to handle that backcourt combination from a defensive perspective. But, I mean, maybe they just scored so many points, it wouldn't matter.
0: The offense would be crazy. I think you could figure out ways to stagger. I don't know. I'm not saying it's, like, the a deal that needs to happen for the pelicans to make a playoff run but the pushback i got from pelicans fans was kind of like guys you haven't won a playoff series yet let's just like take a breath and realize that chris paul's still very good um is it my turn now or is your turn with with the predictions here i think it's i've only made
3: two so you only I made think two it's then it's you it's you um i'm going to build off um the the jazz mention that you had before and stick with Danny Ainge pissing everybody off. Uh, I think there's going to be a Kelly Olinick bidding war at the trade deadline. And there's a few teams that I want to oh, mention. No. Oh there's no. <laughs> a, I I think if people were mad about like the return that Ainge got when he traded his stars in the summer, like if he ends up getting some like huge sort of coup for like role players now, I think people will lose their goddamn minds. All right. I think four places Kelly Olinick would fit in wonderfully. Uh Golden State, Denver, Sacramento, and his former team, the Miami Heat. I think all those teams could really use him um, just offensively because of the spacing, because he fits their style of play, uh, the passing, I think. I, just watching him in Utah this year, he's not doing anything he hadn't done before. I, mean, I remember when he went to Houston and like nobody was really watching the Rockets, and he was like 20-something games after the deadline, and his numbers were absolutely nuts and he looked like a star. Um, It's like he has shown his ability. If you give him the ball and involve him in the offense to just make good decisions and like things just kind of happen. Um, He's a natural fit anywhere because of his ability to do those like little keepers off the handoffs His shooting is, is nuts. I think he's a smart offensive player defensively. is not great, but like, you you have him on the second unit or maybe in Miami's case he's starting at the 4 um i i think he i think he gives you another kind of dimension or um maybe if it's not another dimension it's like another dimension that they didn't have with the second unit allowing the second unit in Sacramento or the second unit in Golden State to play a little and or Denver to play a little bit more like the way they do when the starters are out there
0: he has 129 personal fouls this season, which leads the NBA and he hasn't played a thousand minutes. Just an absolute legend. I have a soft spot for Kelly O'Linick. He's great. Um, I love that of all the possibilities for predictions you could make, 450 players, 30 teams, Kelly Olynyk's potential destinations before the trade deadline made the cut. That's just great stuff. That's why you're yeah, here. Yeah, man. Um, the team you said that really piqued my interest is Denver. Uh like putting him as a backup fi- I mean you're just going all in on I don't think Kelly Olenek's like a terrible defender but you're going all in with an offense that's just gonna sizzle and cook everybody mm-hmm. in the playoffs and you really don't even need to change how you play when Jokic hits the bench either offensively you can run a lot of this a lot similar stuff like not identical because Jokic is Jokic and he's we're gonna get to him, no spoiler, um, in a second. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> but that's just great. And he can he can compliment um Jokic Should be on the floor at the same time as him, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., space the floor. I love Kelly Olenek. That's that's fun stuff.
3: Um, There's such a burden on Highland in the second unit to just like make stuff happen. And I wanna I like Bones Island, but I wanna relieve some of that uh, if I'm Denver. I am not like I understand if you just look at like their defensive rating on this season and then I'm out here saying trade for Kelly Olenek, like it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, But if I'm specifically looking at what happens with the second unit, like I want more firepower there. I want more um, structure there. And Kelly O'Linick, like the reason, like part of the reason the Jazz are good and cohesive is because he is the kind of guy who ties the room together. And that room is awfully messy in Denver. Every time (laughs) Jokic sits down.
0: Denver has the 24th best defense this year, and Utah is 25th. So that's just Mm -hmm. good stuff. Uh, Okay, time to uh, bring in the heavyweight here. No pun intended. Heavyweight prediction time. Uh, Nikola Jokic will win his third straight MVP.
3: There it is. I knew it. I was going (laughs) to make an MVP-related prediction. I was like, I don't need to. We're going to have this conversation.
0: (laughs) Um, So please, please elaborate. All right. So despite losing a tough one last night in Sacramento where Jokic had a floater uh, go in and out with three seconds left, he's just the most valuable player in basketball. Like, here's his numbers in December. I have them for you. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists on 67% true shooting. Like, that is not real life. His team has one of the (laughs) best records in the league, despite the second and third best player on the team being in and out of the lineup and not 100% for the entire season. Look at Aaron Gordon. I'm going to get to some on like, Look at Aaron Gordon's season. Aaron Gordon is having an unbelievable year. He's incredibly efficient. There's been all-star chatter. That's not real. He's not going to make the all-star team. But that's just like all Nikola Jokic. Not all, but like over 50% because he shares the floor with Nikola Jokic for basically all of his minutes. Bruce Brown's effective field goal percentage is 25% higher with Jokic on the court than off the court. Is that it? Yes. (laughs) And like to look at the on offs really quick when Jokic won MVP two years ago, his net point differential was plus 6.4 points per 100 possessions. Right now it's plus 23.3 points for 100 possessions. And my conspiracy theory when the Nuggets signed DeAndre Jordan was that it would juice his on off numbers and have people like me just like constantly pumping through every, um, like uh, avenue I have spread the message that this dude needs to win in three straight MVPs. And it's worked even though Zeke is starting to take some of those minutes a little bit, but Jokic is like, I see cases for other people. I respect other people. Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. um, Joel Embiid has played terrific basketball of late. There's just so many. There's like six or seven guys that are conceivable candidates. We talked about KD, Giannis. It's just like Jokic is just kind of obviously the MVP to me. And I don't see why this wouldn't hold up for the rest of the season and if <laughs> you on. don't vote if you don't vote for him you're a hater. I just want to say that. Hold get on. that on the record.
3: <laughs> I, okay, I was with you like 95% of the way. I just think like it's we are like this might end up being one of the more competitive MVP races we've ever seen. Like right now fun. probably you just named most of them. Like there's seven I didn't even eight say legit candidates. Well, I was about to get to him. I know. Um I think when when you are saying I don't see why he won't win it, like I am just thinking, well, I think Stephen Curry when he comes back will have a word. I think Kevin Durant, if the Nets keep playing like this, is going to have a really really strong case. I think he has a really strong case right the second mm-hmm. to be MVP of the NBA, and it's a two way thing with him. With Jokic, it's a little different. I don't, like, I don't, I feel, as soon as I start talking about Jokic's defense, I feel like I'm just saying stuff everybody said a million times before, so I I don't want to get too deep. He's fine. He's not Kevin Durant defensively. Um, I could see Luka Doncic having a word, uh, on this conversation after watching him score 60 freaking points with 21 rebounds and just, I, I don't even know how to comprehend what, what he did, um. Some of it will probably be dictated by like how all of these superstars' respective teams do uh in between now and the end of the year. I think Jokic the, the people who were dismissing his chances and saying, well, he the bar should be higher than normal, or like there's nothing he can do after winning twice in a row and the team like coming up short in the playoffs, all this stuff. Like I think that's silly. He's a legit candidate. Maybe he should be the favorite right now. Um, I I think there are still a lot of people who would give it to Tatum. I think there are going to be twists and turns in this over the next few months. But I I understand the spirit of your prediction, and, and I, I agree with that. Although I'm surprised you didn't come out stronger against the Olenek idea, because if you're going to go to those on-off <laughs> numbers, not just the on-the-court numbers, then you should be rooting against Olenek coming in and making them more respectable on the second. You know, that, that's all I have to say about that.
0: That's fair, but if Denver is first in the standings, I just don't I, like, and that they obviously would be by at least 15 games. If they trade for <laughs> Kelly Olenek, then that's just really tough to take, take it away from Jokic. Um, he's just, and yeah, I know the defensive stuff. I agree with, I think he's fine. Like he's the criticism of his defense is just a little too much for me. I think the scheme is fine. I, I don't put too much weight on the postseason when I look at regular season MVP, I know a lot of voters do, and that's fine as well, but... Is it? I don't think it's fine.
3: It's a it's regular acceptable. season award, man. I don't know. It, I don't sure. care what happened in previous postseasons or like what your like crystal ball says about this coming postseason. Like, just judge the actual like games sure. that are supposed to matter for this thing.
0: And I, I, I don't think it's a hindrance or a, a fatal flaw in their inability to win a championship. I think Jokic could easily be the guy, a guy who leads his team to a ring. I think the window is open for Denver so long as he's on the Nuggets. Like, that's how great he is. And it's almost besides the point of who else is on the floor with him. He's just, he's amazing. So
3: I don't know how NBA, any NBA player could watch the Nuggets and not think, like, I want to play for that team. I want to play with that guy. It just—it's so different than playing off of any other
0: star right now, and your life would be so easy. (laughs) Yeah, and he does uh, the way he plays. We could go on and on about Jokic, but like, look at his usage. Like, we um, criticize—and maybe it's unfairly so—but we criticize guys who have crazy high usage rates and the heliocentric nature of how they um need to function on offense where they dictate everything. And Jokic like doesn't play that way. It's just it's it's he's just different than other superstars like that. And I think he I, I want to say he's leading the NBA in assists in this month and he's a center. Like I don't even, he's one of the best rebounders alive. He's, 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 he's a Jokic. He's yeah. a Jokic. That's a great way to put it
1: this episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids games This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit Honda.com Prologue to learn more.
0: All right, give me your next prediction, James.
3: I'm going to stick with the heavyweights theme. Uh, I'm going to predict next Christmas we will see the Memphis Grizzlies against the New Orleans Pelicans. Jaw versus Zion. Ideally, it will be a playoff rematch of one of the best playoff series that we've ever seen in our lives. It features like wow, 15 <laughs> overtime and seven <laughs> games and a bunch of crazy stuff. I, don't, I can't say I predict that, but that's what I'm hoping for,
0: and I'm predicting the matchup. I love it. Uh, I love it a lot. Love Zion, love Ja. Um Jose Alvarado guarding Ja Morant in a playoff series would just Hell be yes. like I can't even like get your popcorn, strap on the seatbelt. <laughs> uh that's just that's a lot of fun just even thinking about that. I'm getting I'm like giggling internally. Um especially if it was like uh I guess that would I mean they could play in the conference finals. It's technically possible. Yeah, I, don't- I don't know. We'll see how the standings shake out. Um, I would love for, if you're the Grizzlies, I think you're a little nervous about Jaron Jackson Jr. picking up three fouls in the first three (laughs) minutes of every game with Zion just going right at him. Mm Just problematic. But, I, yeah, I love this matchup. I love everything about it. These are two... I mean, the NBA would be th- absolutely thrilled with this as well. I mean, they want Ja to be the face of the league, and they obviously want Zion to be the future face of the league. It would be great, and like when you go back to
3: like the draft, go back to AAU. Like, there's like these guys are poised to have like a rivalry forever, and mm-hmm. the, that their teams are now this good. Just is it's such a, a good development for the NBA,
0: and the league just needs. Yeah, the league needs rivalries. I Everyone loves a good rivalry. And right now we're going to have, I mean, I don't know who would or wouldn't call Grizzlies Warriors a rivalry. I think it's super fun when those two teams match up, but I don't know how much longer this is going to last. So when the Grizzlies ascend to where they believe they can, I think that the the Pelicans could be a fantastic foil. Um, It would just be great. It'd be great for everybody. Great for the league. So that's a fun one. I love it a lot. I hope it comes true. Um, okay, my last uh, prediction here. Kawhi Leonard is winning his third Finals MVP.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you were okay. Uh, I love it. You know, I couldn't help myself. I've, yeah, I, I, I think you're. This is a very peanut prediction. This is you trying <laughs> to, <laughs> you want to plant your flag just a little earlier than anyone else is comfortable doing so, mm-hmm. and if it comes back to bite you, whatever, no one remembers anything you say about the Houston Rockets five years later, except me. Uh, But, but, uh, can you tell me, is this more based on your faith in Kawhi generally and his track record or like your analysis of like how it's gone so far? Obviously they have been incredible in terms of their record with him on the court. He has had some high scoring games. He's had some really efficient games, um, he has had other games where it's looked a little different. I I don't know that the numbers show he's the exact same player. I don't know that just watching him, you're like, all right, he is like the same sort of physical force that he was before. But um I I have I've personally I've been encouraged and I am optimistic about like where he can get to by the end of the year, but like I still kind of want him like want to see that that ramp up a little bit more before I plant the flag as like the way that the way that you just did, so so tell me where you're coming from.
0: I think it's both. Uh, I have just like everlasting faith that Kawhi will figure things out. From mm-hmm. what I've seen, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. He's not getting the benefit of the doubt from people, which is just kind of frustrating for me. He's not the first guy. I know that there were injuries before. I know he's the face of load management. But he's not the first guy to tear their ACL and like need some time to look like themselves coming back from it. I mm-hmm. think people have short memories when it comes to what he looked like in the 2021 playoffs when he was by far the best player. Like apologies to Giannis, apologies to Luca, who he beat it, beat because he guarded Luca and scored every point on the other end in the most critical games. Um, Kawhi was just like, Kawhi in that series was every bit as good as he was
3: um, when he was with the Raptors and like putting the team on his back and in the against the Bucks and, and the Sixers. Like he was more efficient, honestly, and his what he did defensively was maybe more impressive. Although I don't want to shortchange what he did in Toronto either, but like mm-hmm. that that was, I mean, I think just because the injury came so soon afterward,
0: like yeah, like people don't bring it up all that often. I think. So, from what I've seen so far of him, basically the only thing that's, uh like, really worrisome, and not it's not even worrisome, is the three-point percentage. Like, I think those will fall. He's eventually going to get his legs under him and be able to hit those shots. But, like, what he's focused on now from my eye when I watch him is, like, I want to get to my spots in the mid-range, and I want to be comfortable there. And I want to be able to create space. And he's doing all that. He's shooting over fifty percent from the mid range so far. He's like that's the vintage Kawhi stuff. And what was really telling for me was the game against Toronto. And you can just ask Joel Embiid, like the Toronto Raptors are the team that like really wants to take the opponent opposing star out of the game. And like when Kawhi was. Guarded single coverage on the wing by OG Ananobi, who a lot of people think is a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year, still. I think like Pascal Siakam would leave his man and double. Like it was, he finished with eight assists in that game, and it was because like the help was just, it was swarming. And I thought like the respect factor there was just like really eye opening. And he looked great in that game. He was moving super well. There was one rebound where Scotty Barnes had inside position and like Kawhi just like took his arm and it was potentially a foul, but like he moved Scotty Barnes by like uh, extending his right elbow and Scotty was screaming and Kawhi just got the rebound and put it back up. Like he's physically, there's really no, no one like Kawhi Leonard in terms of, um, how efficient he's able to just, uh, navigate a basketball court. There's no one like him. When the three ball starts falling, I don't know how you're going to be able to guard him. And I think his team, like the on off numbers are super great right now. And the on court numbers, I think, are more important. Um, mm-hmm. and they're just yeah. demolishing people when he's on the court. Yeah. But like his team around him is so, um, built for a playoff series. I just like don't get flustered at all by what they do in the regular season. It's just like not what they're built for. They're built to be adaptable, be versatile. Um they have a coach who loves making in-series adjustments, in-game adjustments. Like they're constructed to go through four playoff rounds. And I I think he's going to be in tip-top shape by then and yeah, so He's awesome. I think he's the best player on one of the best teams and that's how we'll view it at the end of the season.
3: I think they should be viewed as a championship contender again now. I think he absolutely deserves the benefit of the doubt. I'm not necessarily calling that he's going to win finals MVP because I think there's like really stiff competition. We're just a long way from being there. I want to see how the matchups shake out. I want to see a million things. Um the the one thing with the Clippers like that see like when Kawhi got hurt, I thought they were going to win the title then. And a lot of the reason I thought they were going to win the title then is they were clicking on a different kind of level than they, they had been because it wasn't just, all right, like, you know, the formula, right? The formula was play a ton of small ball space, the floor, and they're creating a bunch of threes and they're stretching teams out. And then they're switching on the other end, blah, 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 blah. They were mixing up the mid range stuff that, Kawhi and PG do as well as anybody with the drive and kick stuff. With Kawhi and Paul George both getting to the basket at will, getting to the free throw line at will, they were putting pressure on the rim. Um, Reggie Jackson back then was, was putting pressure on the rim. Um, and now have, you have Norm Powell. You have Norm Powell. You have Norm Powell. He's looking great. What all I'm saying is like what I want to see is like once we get to that point in the playoffs, like I want to see that same kind of mix. I want to see that sort of, you know, Kawhi's ability to like, put like his shoulder into people, um, and just get easy buckets and be able to like, you know, at his best, he is maybe the best like run stopper in the league. Like if, if another team is starting to put things together, he's just like, I'm going to slow this thing down and I'm either going to get to my mid range and get and make a contested jumper or like, like, You are going to foul me, and I'm going to just be stronger than you are. And I want to see him kind of take over some games like that. I want to see the Clippers kind of do that against elite competition before I'm like saying they're going to win the championship. But like, yeah, I mean, coming into the year, looking at them on paper, like I thought they were going to make the finals. Like I, I picked them. (laughs) I basically picked them to win every year. Um, so I'm with you in terms of like what this team could be. And I, I, so I get, I get the prediction. I just, I out of respect for like peak Kawhi. Like I think we should both be very clear that like we have not quite seen peak Kawhi yet, and it's not no. just because of the shooting. Like the shooting, who cares? Like he's gonna make the jumpers.
0: Yeah, and Robert Covington is gonna have the freshest postseason legs ever. I just want to get that in there. It's he's just like not in the rotation. It's hilarious to me. You just teed me up. Can I do my next prediction? Yes, you're gonna love this. This is more niche than the Olenek thing. All right,
3: <laughs> one process sixer will return to Philadelphia. It, <laughs> It could be Covington. Covington would be great. Could be Rashawn Holmes. I'm not ruling out KJ McDaniels. But he's playing in the PBA right now, so it's oh unlikely. But yeah, I think Covington Covington or Rashawn Holmes, I think, prime <sighs> trade candidates for the Sixers. And I think they should be trying to make some kind of trade because as well as they've been playing, I, I think I don't exactly know what that that kind of rotation is going to look like in the playoffs. Not sure they have quite
0: enough. Sarich? You didn't say Sarich. Is he a candidate? Oh, that's... Absolutely.
3: Yeah. Um, I didn't want to just... I could... Look, do you want to talk about Kendall Marshall resuming his basketball (laughs) career? Like, I I would love it. I miss him. But I think, yeah, those guys... Sarich, Holmes... Covington is the obvious one, because I can't believe he's just not playing, even on a a roster
0: that deep. um, Do you want to just talk about the Sixers, and that's how we'll wrap up? Cause, Let's do it. I, I, well, give me your thought. Like, like what, what? What's the temperature of the Sixers? What, give me. Like, are you feeling optimistic, pessimistic? Uh, Tyrese, like, should Tyrese Maxey start? Should he come off the bench? What do they need before the trade deadline? Is Harden going to go to the Houston Rockets? Just what? Are, what, are, what are your feelings
3: right now with this? team? Yes, he's going to go to the Houston Rockets. They might <laughs> as well trade him right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, th- I have. Uh, this is not a like hot take or anything. I just I have the same concern that I think most like nerds on the internet do. Like when Tyrese Maxey comes back, like he's going to by default be playing a lot of minutes with James Harden. Maybe he comes off the bench at first, maybe Rivers tries to stagger them throughout the regular season, but once we're in playoff time, I don't think you're seeing the like, hey, Jordan Poole, you're now playing like 20 minutes a game because you don't quite make sense defensively. I think Maxi's too good for that. So whatever that looks like, um, the Sixers must be hoping that it's essentially they're unstoppable on offense and the defense remains pretty good. Mm -hmm. And their nightmare is that the offense is, you know, a little bit jagged, a little bit disconnected, um, despite the amount of talent there and that the defense is just like exploitable against certain matchups because they have multiple targets on the court they have multiple kind of pressure points to attack and i don't know what the solution there quite is because i don't think that's a reason to like do a panic trade of either harden or maxi or anything like that like i i just think you are betting on a formula that is a little shakier than some of the competition in the East. So I feel good about the way they've been playing. I feel good about their defense and their numbers. I feel great about like Harden and Embiid, like the pick and roll again. Like it's, it, that's all cool. I'm not as worried as some people are about PJ Tucker. I just think in the playoffs, that guy is going to be there for you. Um, I I heard about when you talk about it, like a shoulder issue that at least makes the, the reluctant shooting make a little more sense to me. Um, but long-term, I think he'll be there. He's, he's been a consistent force on that end. Like, every single year defying defying age every time like that's all good i just i th- it's not as sort of reliable a two-way formula to me as like say boston's
0: i think that so mentioning some of the other elite teams in the conference is where i get pessimistic about the sixers and their recent winning streak which ended against the Wizards? Yeah, they lost to the Wizards. Mm -hmm. Um, despite Embiid going off, despite a 48 and 10, and yeah, the biased media, we weren't really discussing it enough. But I will say, like, they're winning their, their, the teams that they were beating in that win streak. Just like, I wasn't like super duper impressed with any of them. And when they match up in a series against the Celtics, because you're gonna have to go through the Celtics. You're, it looks like you're potentially gonna have to go through the Nets. First of all, Nets. The Nets are Sixers, a difficult matchup. I think like they're very difficult, and I mean that series would like break everyone's brain. I think, and would be a lot of fun. And I really hope we get it for a lot of reasons. But matchup wise, you want
3: to like carpool to Philly, like there sure. and back for that. Let's season. do right, it. Be cool.
0: Nice. Absolutely. I'll need a recovery beer after that series. I can't um, drive, by the way, so you're gonna have to do all. <laughs> um, I like you. Just I, I, f- I feel like Melton has played terrific. What are Melton's gonna, minutes going to look like? Are you going to have to play Matisse Steibel in a series where there's just so much of fire? It's a great question. So I, I'm also a PJ Tucker person. I, I'm a believer in his, but I. I don't know how much he can give through the rigors of multiple playoff series. I think that's fair to say based on a relative to what they need from him on the defensive end, where it's like I'm just thinking about where he, he it's like hounding KD full court, hounding Jason Tatum up and down. The It's just like he can't. I'm sorry. Like, all due respect what? to P.J. Tucker, and I don't see that happening. you have seen it. Yeah. And because we've seen it, it's less likely that it'll happen in the future. He's like 36 years old, 37. Years, I don't know how old he is, but he's played so many like big playoff minutes. So the wear and tear is there. Um, but I just think the matchups are really bad for them and they need more help on the wings. And like the, you know, it's not even worth mentioning, but I'll say it like, will Harden melt down in the second round? Will, um, I feel like criticism of Embiid is fair to a certain point. Um, I don't think he's like a lights out postseason performer. I think he's really good, but hasn't. He's been also available. usually been
3: hurt or sick. Yeah, like exactly. So happened. his
0: his availability, I'm just like kind of wait and see there with him, and he basically needs to play what like. Thirty-eight minutes a game, at least, in the like because of what is coming in off the bench for him in a playoff series. Like,
3: well, hence Dario, Rashawn, sure, okay, yeah, bring it back full
0: circle, okay.
3: James Harden with PJ Tucker and Robert Covington, sort of both, kind of not playing center, but both playing center at the same time. Like we've seen that before. I I'm in personally.
0: Sure. So, but I yeah, I just think like. If is guarding, even just like Marcus Smart, like Marcus Smart posting up Maxi and just like, what is your answer here? What do you do? Like, it just can break them so easily. And that's not even getting, like, talking about who Harden's going to guard in that lineup or the adjustments the Celtics can make where they bring Malcolm Brogdon in. And okay, now who's guarding Malcolm Brogdon? And Jalen Brown's over here. And oh, here's Tatum. He just won MVP. Like, I don't, I don't know.
3: I thought Jokic just won MVP.
0: (laughs) Um, yes, Uh, I have no rebuttal for what I just said. (laughs) I think on that note, we can, we can wrap up. We both gave all of our predictions. We gave 10 superb predictions. Um, this was fun. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening in. Thanks to you, James. Thanks to our producers, uh, Brian and Ben. Uh, we'll see all of you in 2023. collection at ugg.com.